0: Um, As you know, there's a funeral this afternoon and um, is that Jim Viotto lived a full life. If I can just make part of my life like his life, I am going to be a better dad. I'm going to be a better husband and just a better person overall. And so today as we we go over and we memorialize him and think about him and, and surely as we stand with the family today, you know, I want you guys to lift him up in prayer. And really, they're a phenomenal family. Jim, through since I've been here through his suffering of cancer, he has been a rock. And one of my last visits, and I'm going to share it this, this afternoon, one of my last visits with him, I didn't really know what to say. What do you say to a man that has got a couple days to live? And so I went, and I, I, I didn't want to intrude on their family, but I felt like I had to go because of, he, he always made me and my family welcome. He never made me feel different. And then so I went to him, and he was laying on his couch, his, his favorite spot, and, and he said, well, Pastor, what do you got to say? <laughs> and he, he and I both knew there was nothing to say. And so I looked at him and said, you're right, Jim, there's nothing to say. And then he said, I'm waiting. I said, Amen. I'm waiting with you. And then I took Mike, his son, out to to Culver's, and Mike told me, you know, my dad did a funny thing. I told him you were coming, and in the midst of his suffering, he said, I paid my tithe. (laughs) I'm like, yes, Lord, that is good. Even in the midst of suffering, He knew who His Maker was. And He knew where He was going. Then we can sit back and and we can look at that example and we can ask, do we know where we are going today? And then I was talking to him and Shirley and... And I said, Jim, do you have any regrets? And he says, I have no regrets. Do I wish I would have done some things different? Yes, but I have no regrets. I'm like, Amen. You see, I had to see a, fa- a grandfather go through bone cancer that was suffering, and his life was full of regrets. Did he not? Every last sentence was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for the way I treated your grandmother, for the way I treated your dad, and the way I did you guys. Full of regrets. And then I look at Jim. No regrets. And you know what? It's not too late for us today to turn that leaf and say, you know what? Life has not been perfect. Life has actually been kind of hard. But I'm going to have no regrets. I'm going to do my best to live in integrity and character, and who God has called me to be. So this morning, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, if you could turn your Bibles to John 12, but I'll first talk about what we're going to talk about this morning. If you don't mind, before I start, I'm going to pray. I don't know about you, but I need Jesus. There's not a time that goes by that I'm not looking for His presence and Him to speak into my heart. And so Jesus, we just pour out our lives to You. We give You our hearts. We, we give You our sorrows, Lord, in the midst of Jim passing. But we also rejoice that He is with you and that He's in eternal life now. Lord, we thank You for the legacy, and we lift up the Viado family to You. Surely, and all the kids, and the grandkids, will You strengthen them today. And Lord, we are no different than Jim. And saying, Lord, we are waiting on You, Jesus. We are waiting for You to move. We are longing to see You come, Lord Jesus. But until that day is, Lord, we are here. And we need You. So Holy Spirit, You're here. And would You use me this morning to speak Your Word and may I hear Your voice. And Lord, it's only by Your mercy that anybody can hear You. So I ask for Your mercy this morning. And I ask you to come and be glorified. In your precious name, Jesus, amen. So, this morning, as I was, we're taking a break from 1 John for the next couple weeks, and then we're going to have a special gift, guest gift um, to get us right back into 1 John. And his name is Mike Iverson. He's actually the crazy guy with a beard that did worship. A couple weeks ago. He's going to share a word with us in a couple weeks. I'm excited about that. And actually, they're here. Can you wave? I just thought I'd call you out. So, yeah, so that's him, the crazy dude. Um, so, I'm excited about having him. You see, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, we know that it is the day that the prophecy was fulfilled that the King of Israel would come riding on a donkey. The crowds gathered because they knew that this Jesus had raised a man from the dead. And they wanted to know who this man was. In the midst of the uproar of the crowd, they cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But soon after, they find out that he's not what they and who they expected him to be. So the same people who were praising Him four days later would be crucifying Him. Through this passage, we learn that oftentimes life does not turn out like we hoped it would. But God has a plan for us. So, this morning I want to talk about three points. I want to talk about His story. Then I want to talk about their story. And then I want to talk about our story. And I think when we see this story, we are going to be able to beautifully mesh it together and challenge our hearts today of where we are at and what's going on. So as I hit the first point, I'm going to be repeating a little bit of Scriptures is it on the next day, in, in of John 12, verse 12 through 19, On the next day, the crowd who had come to the feast, when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took the branches of the palm trees and went out to meet Him and began to shout, Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Jesus, finding a young donkey, set on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. These things his disciples did not understand at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things to him. So the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify about him. For this reason as the people went out and met Him because they heard that He had performed this sign. You see, Jesus had done many miracles up to this point. He had healed a blind man. He's caused a lame man to get up and walk. He's allowed the deaf to hear for the first time. Then He has allowed somebody that was demon-possessed with legions of demons to be set free. And so there's Jesus that shows up on the scene on this Palm Sunday, and in history again, just because I like to put it all into context, we're not for sure the day that this happened, but we know it happened. And just let me go off on just a side note, I probably shouldn't, but something grieved my heart. This week, and it was PBS. How many of you guys watch PBS? And you're going to ask if you got cable. Because usually people with PBS don't have cable. (laughs) That's me. But as I was watching it, it was time after time again, it never fails when you have this holiday come up, that they have something debunking the story of Jesus Christ. And the exodus of Israel, it is all made up. And then they have this story where Jesus was a zealot and He was in jail for six months before the crucifixion crucifixion took place. And I'm just like, okay, usually I can sit through something like that because it's just interesting. But I'm like, no way. But my point is, is that we got to know what we know. And it's sad that there's stories that are trying to debunk the greatest story of all. And the latest miracle that Jesus did was He laid, He raised Lazarus from the dead. Which is quite the phenomenon. And we're we're gonna, I think Jesus is gonna throw a comic strip in here in just a minute. If we can find comedy in the midst of this. You see, Jesus had sent his disciples before him. To go unravel this donkey and bring this donkey that had never been ridden on to him. And what's unique about this, this is the first time and only time that Jesus actually made a public statement and wanted the public to see something. Because other times he was like, don't tell anyone what is going on. And you know, the ones that received the miracle, they just couldn't keep their mouth shut. And I don't blame them. My life was changed for Jesus Christ. I could not shut my mouth. And I don't know why they didn't listen to the Master. But it would have been hard. So they went and found this donkey tied up, just like Jesus had told them it would be. And Jesus said, if they ask you why you're taking the donkey, tell them the Lord has need of it so they grabbed the donkey. The question was asked. Everything happened like Jesus said it would. And I believe that there is a shift in Jesus' thinking at this point because He knew that His time was coming to an end. And as we know in Scripture that Jesus would do nothing outside of what the Father was telling Him to do. He is our example. We'd often say, some say, well, I can't live up to Jesus' standard. And next week, we are going to celebrate the greatest gift that He has given to mankind, and that is His Holy Spirit. He has defeated death in the grave. So here we have a throng is worshiping Jesus. Some have come But it's not their story yet, it's still his story. And it's as they're celebrating this king who is coming into Jerusalem. And he's going to take his rightful place on the throne. So they thought they knew scripture, and then if you go with me to Luke 19 and this is where I or yeah, Luke 19 verse 39. And this is where I think it gets a little bit of comic relief. Maybe you won't see it like I see it, but I see it in a certain light. It says this. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Because they were calling out and saying, they were saying, stop the people from praising you. It's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if if these become silent, the stones will cry out. This is where I find the humor. I can see the Pharisees doing this to Jesus. So picture yourself there. He say, Jesus, have your people shut up. Keep them quiet. And I can imagine Jesus just looking at them. Are you sure about that? Because if they keep silent, nature is going to cry out to me at this very moment. And then I can imagine the Pharisees just kind of, you know, getting together. And looking at Jesus, looking at Lazarus, looking at Jesus looking at Lazarus and saying, (laughs) he's got a point here, guys. (laughs) If we keep the people silent, these stones are actually going to talk. And I can imagine the Pharisees just freaking out at that moment and saying, it's time to be quiet. Because I see a dead man, whom this man had raised from the dead. And now he walks. And I'm afraid of these stones. Because at the point, this Pharisee said, That's where I find the comedy. And where I see the Pharisees saying, They said, Look, the whole world is following this man. And they were right. And then the story goes on, verse 41 When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it saying, if you had known in this day even you the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. And yesterday when I was reading the Scripture and praying for you guys and praying for myself, I had this moment where I I began to, to weep within my soul and wonder who comes on a Sunday morning and doesn't know Jesus. And your eyes are blind to the fact of who your Savior is. And my soul begins to say, Jesus, open the eyes of the people that are blind from seeing you. And then I begin to think about my own life. That day, this Easter coming up, is going to be a long time for me since I've known Jesus. And He introduced Himself to me on Easter 1996. So we celebrate that in my family. But it wasn't anything I did. It was just mercy showed up. And if we would just know today that Jesus has a plan and a purpose for your life. And the King of Kings is getting ready to walk into Jerusalem. So let's go to point number two is their story. In verses, back to chapter 12, verses 9 through 13, and then we'll skip to 17 and 18. The large crowd of the Jews then learned that He was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom He raised from the dead. But the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death also. And I always think of Lazarus at this point, because I'm like, the poor guy was just raised from the dead. It wasn't his fault. And he's going to die, just so you know, Lazarus dies again. But not at the hands of evil men. And he goes on because, on, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and were believing in Jesus. On the next day, the large crowd who, had to, uh, who, had to, uh, who come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took the branches of the palm trees and went out to meet Him and began to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And then let's skip to 17. So the people who were with Him, when He called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify about Him. For this reason also the people went out and met Him, because they heard that He had performed great signs. And I would like to say this is a traveling circus at this point. Because Jesus is going into Jerusalem. He has two parties that are meeting Him at this very time in human history. Two parties. One is wondering who this Jesus is that raised this man from the dead. It wasn't about the power of Jesus so to speak. And then you had those that actually had witnessed, been there on that day that Lazarus was raised from the dead. They all converged at this one point. And I don't know about you, but their story kind of goes into our story for a moment. Is that some people follow Jesus because of what He gives. And if you remember the feeding of the 5,000 where he took the loaves and the fish and he fed them plentiful and then they had extra left over, what were they going to do with Jesus at that point after he fed them? They were going to make him king. And he refused. Why? Because he didn't need man to testify about himself. And he also knew what was in the heart of man. So as Jesus is getting ready to go into Jerusalem, and he is um, is weeping, there's something that's going on. And if we could go to Zechariah nine, uh, verses nine through eleven, and just to, because we don't have tons of time, is that I won't give to you the first nine. Seven verses of this chapter where Alexander the Great had just walked into Jerusalem, and he has taken—he came in a great, great horse, a battle horse—and had taken over. So there's some prophecy that was spoken in this chapter. And if, like, I just threw you into confusion, go read it later. Okay, I didn't mean to do that, but it's a contrast. And then we see in Zechariah nine a prophecy was getting ready to be fulfilled. It says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your King is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, deliverance, and He's victorious, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the horse from Jerusalem and the bow of war will be cut off And He will speak peace to the nations and His dominion will be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. You see, there's something going on in context when they came and worshiped Jesus. Is they expected this king to be coming, to take his rightful place. And he was going to rule, bring peace and dominion. This was the time that this king of kings was coming. So they lay down the palm branches. They lay down their coats and they're worshiping Jesus. Thinking that here he comes, here's the king. And there's so much going on in their story at this time. But they had not fully understood who this Jesus was. And I wonder if we fully actually have embraced, as we've been talking about in the last months, if we truly embraced what it means to call on the name of Jesus. And the original translation for Hosanna in Hebrew is, give salvation now. But by this time in history, it had become a term of acclamation or praise. But I'm wondering if they weren't crying out and saying, Give us salvation now, King of Kings. And then in this instant, the palm branches in this instant, D.A. Carson says, It may well have signaled nationalistic hope that a messianic liberator was arriving on the scene. And I often think, how could it be that men could be praising and giving acclamation to the King of Kings four days later, cursing Him, saying, crucify this man. It's no surprise to Jesus, folks. He knew the purpose that He was coming. He knows the perfect, perfect purpose that He was going to die for the sins of the world and be crucified, a a curse to death on a cross. And this is where point number three comes, our story intertwines with their story and his story. You see, in verse 16 of chapter 12, These things his disciples did not understand at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things to him as I was thinking about what Wes and Krista shared on Wednesday night and then today, how God had spoken to them five years ago that they were going to be bridge builders, and they didn't understand it. Can you imagine what it was for the disciples to be there on that day and not understanding what is going on? And on Friday, we are going to look at it. I don't call it Good Friday, but it is Good Friday. It's a bad Friday. Because the disciples were hit with despair. This one who just came on a donkey and the palm branches were put, which it means victorious king. He's gone. He's away from us now. It's not like we turned out. And how often in our lives today, if we want to be honest with everybody in this house today, the life has not turned out like we thought it would. We thought it was going to be different, didn't we? We had no clue that this was going to happen, that this was going to happen in in the way it was going to happen, and the disciples didn't understand it either. And I want you to know, if it was the disciples that didn't understand it, it's okay that you don't understand it. But this is your story now. But we can relate to their story, can't we? But I want you to know that God has a plan for your life. And I want you to know that if you were to sit down, and I I think we all should do this and and take a tally, after we've gone through a hard situation in life, and if we just sit down and wrote down what God had done in our life through it, I think we'd be amazed. Instead, what happens is we turn to bitterness, we turn to anger, and we turn to resentment. Instead of trusting in his perfect plan. And you see, here's where the good news comes that our story interacts with his story. In verse 20, it says this now then there were some Greeks among those, and the Greeks is not probably the nation of Greek Greek uh, or Greece, it was it was Gentiles. Among those who were going up to worship at the feast. These then came to Philip, and who, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, sir, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son to be glorified. What does this mean? What is this significant to us? What is it? What does it matter? Jesus knew The Gentiles were getting ready to come into the kingdom. Our story interacts and intersects with His story right here. Jesus knew that when He was lifted up, He would draw all men to Him. It was no longer just exclusively for the Jews, but it was for what it was meant for, for the nations. And He said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to to life eternal. And this word hate, just I want to make sure we understand, is not hate as you would think. It is in love as in... Comparison to who Jesus is—a big difference. It goes on. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So this morning, the worship team would come. I want to ask you some very important questions. And I want you to know that God has come to give you life and life eternal. And where there was no hope, He wants to speak hope. And so where do you find yourself? this morning in the midst of Palm Sunday? Has your life truly intersected with the life of Jesus? Or are you still, your life is with those that really didn't know the fullness of who Christ was? And I want you to know that those that didn't know the fullness of Christ, they were not bad. They just had not received the fullness yet. So maybe you're just not there yet. And that's okay. We embrace you with open arms. And we desire for you to feel the love of Jesus wrapping His arms around you and knowing that when we celebrate Easter next week that He is a King of kings, the Lord of lords, and He has defeated death. But do you believe in Him because of the miracles? The things that He has done, and you've seen the power of Him moving? But then I would challenge us, if that's where we're at, when He doesn't do what we want Him to do for us, will you leave Him? And then are you like this, blessing Jesus today and cursing Him tomorrow? Or, do you bless Him in the good and the bad times?